Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. So good evening, everybody, and welcome to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. My name is Paul Rowley. And I'm Kathy Marino Thomas. And tonight we remember four years. We marked the time four years ago uh, when a gunman came into the Pulse nightclub and shot and killed 49 of our of our beloved LGBTQI community and uh, wounded 51 others. I still, even when you were just saying that there, Kathy, I just got a, a, a chill and a shuddered. You know, the, I think that it's, what happened that night just impacted us all as, as queer people so, so, so profound. Absolutely, Paul, they came into our safe space. A club has always been a place where our community could go and feel protected and safe and, uh, the gunmen come into that space and just ruin yeah. that safety, ruin that feeling. For gay people, our club is kind of like a church. So that man went in and shot up a gay church. Correct. And that's why tonight's immemorial will be the reading of the 49 names. So we could pause for a minute and remember each one. I don't know about you, Paul, but I've seen these names and these photos so often that I think of those faces every time. Absolutely. I mean, these, these people have really, for our listeners who don't know, the Pulse shooting was the event that led to the founding of Gays Against Guns. Um, That's right. In June 2016. And it was an event that had changed all our lives. Radically. And we do this work in their names. And tonight we read their names. Stanley Almodovar. Amanda Alvier. Oscar Arsenia Montero, Rodolfo Ayea Ayea, Alejandro Barrios Martinez, Martin Benitez Torres, Antonio Brown, Daryl Burt, Jonathan Cami Vega, Angel Caldelero Pedro, Simon Carrillo Fernandez. Juan Chavez Martinez, Louis Condi, Corey Connell, Tevin Crosby, Frankie de Jesus Velasquez, Mercedes Flores, Peter Gonzalez Cruz, Juan Guerrero, Paul Henry, Frank Hernandez, Miguel Honorato, Javier Jorge Reyes, Jason Yosefat. Eddie Justice, Antonio Loreano Dilsla, Christopher Lenoinen, Brenda Marquez McCool, Dionca Drayton, Jean C. Mendez Perez, Akira Monet Murray, Kimberly Morris, Jean Neves Rodriguez, Luis Ocasio Capo, Geraldo Ortiz Jimenez, Eric Ivan Ortiz Rivera, Joel Rayon Paniagua, Enrico Rios Jr., Juan Rivera Velasquez, Yilmari Rodriguez Sullivan, Christopher Sanfiles, Javier Emmanuel Serrano Rosado, Gilberto Ramon Silva Menendez, Edward Sotomayor, Shane Tomlinson. Leroy Valentin Fernandez, Luis Vielma, Luis Wilson Leon, Gerald Wright, 
know, I have to say that every time we read these names, I can see every face. We've seen these people's faces for four years now, you know, whether it's still like they still pop up on social media all the time or, you know, of course we have like our 49 placards that our human beings carry when they honor these lives that we lost. And yeah, I mean, I think that's what's incredible about the human beings campaign that that Gays Against Guns does is that you really do carry that memory of that person with you. And, you know, when we were in Orlando last year, we actually met family members of the victims um, who had seen us carrying photographs of their loved ones, you know, and it's, it's, that's really a deep and profound. That was a fantastic connection to make with those people. They should know how much um, we keep those folks in our hearts and minds. I mean, they've they've changed our lives, you know? Yes, they have. There's not a day that goes by I don't think about these these people, you know? And today we honor them four years lost. Yeah. So when we were in Orlando last year, there was a a group of us from Gays Against Guns went down for the third year marking. And um, like I say, we got to meet many of the family members there, people who had lost friends. And um, so let's hear a little bit from some of the people we met down there about their experiences of Pulse. I'm DJ Risika, uh, former resident DJ of Pulse Orlando Nightclub. This was my home and I lost 49 members here. I was here in the building that very night, yes. And the last person I hugged turned out to be the first person to lose his life. Ricardo Negron is a survivor of the Pulse shooting and is a local Latinx community activist. No, there were people screaming, then it was quiet, and there were people like whispering, um, like, I don't want to die, no me quiero morir. There were a lot of people uh, speaking Spanish. All you could hear was the shots and things breaking. People that were like around me started like running out. And then, like, as you were running out, you could hear the gunshots, like, a bah, 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 bah. And then the next day, when I see on the news what happened, that's when it hits you. When you see on the news, like, 49 people killed. Donna Henderson lost four friends at Pulse that night. Dianca Drayton, she went by Zeus, Antonio, and Eddie. Shane? who I have right here. I get emotional every time I talk about him because I met him here. And this is the picture of the night that we met. And I miss them. I miss them so much. Austin J. Vincent from Gays Against Guns Orlando. I look at at a friend of mine who, who died here at Pulse and I think of how funny he was. It's so painful that all that change in an instant. I mean, truly, you could talk to anybody here, and I'm sure they have a story, they have two stories, they have a hundred stories of people who who are not here anymore. Charlotte Davis is a tireless community advocate for the African-American and LGBT communities in Orlando. She was also a club promoter at Pulse. That was, uh, you know, a part of our family. That was our safe place. That was our party place. That was my income. This thing has affected my life tremendously in the last three years. So I've really been engulfed in this community for a long time. Again, this wasn't just, oh, that club got shot up. 
out of the 49 people, you know, at Pulse, I can, I can say that I've been in contact with at least 20 to 30 of them. People that you have seen before, you've given a hug before, um, you've said do you want a drink before, or come take a picture before. Um, so again, this was a very personal, still is very personal, very emotional for me, um, just because we lost, you know, we lost more than a building. We lost people, and I think that's what the emphasis needs to go back on. I think everybody's so focused on this building and memorials and, you know, this and that, that we've lost sight of the people that were actually affected. Sammy Marrero is a community activist in Orlando. And what was really gnawing at my soul was thinking about those moms in Puerto Rico, for example, that for the first time would find out two things, and I don't wanna like break down right now, but first that their child, you know, was LGBTQ, and secondly, that they didn't trust that their mothers would love them no matter what. And that just tore me apart. Could you imagine? Could you imagine those moms finding this out and saying my child didn't think that I, my love was unconditional and it just tore me apart. You know, it chills me to hear that memory. Uh, it brings me right back to uh, finding out the news that this happened. I go right back to that moment. Unfortunately, it reminds me very much of the same struggles that we're facing today. You know, lots of folks that were killed that day weren't honored uh, in their rightful way for a long time after. I said whitewashing took place. There certainly was, and that's something that we really got to find out a lot about when we were there last year, whether it was in the African-American community or the Latinx community. First of all, the shooting was described in the media as a mass shooting. Then it was described as a shooting in a gay bar. And then later it was revealed by the media that it was actually Latin night. And even after that, there, and even to this day, actually, I think it's fair to say that there is very little recognition for the 10 African-American people who lost their lives. Well, and let's not forget that even at the memorial service right after it happened, the mayor refused to acknowledge that it was an LGBTQI establishment serving our community. The governor. The, uh, the governor, correct. Yeah, Rick the Scott. governor. The governor yeah. wouldn't say it. Yeah. Nancy Rosado was one of the first responders at 9-11 and now works and lives in Orlando. The whole situation had become somewhat whitewashed. And if you look at all of the publications, it said LGBTQ tragedy, gay attack in Orlando, never once mentioning Latino. At the hospital, I felt like I had walked into my family's living room upon the death of a, of a family member. It was predominantly Latino. But at the hospital, the language was Spanish. And everybody was asking questions of each other. They were confused because everything was being said in English. It led to a lot of confusion. When they read the names of the hospitalized, they mispronounced them. And there were parents there that thought they heard the name of their child, but weren't sure. So if they had walked up and asked, and they said, no, that's not the name, what did that exactly mean? And they were too scared to go up and ask how culturally incompetent and how linguistically incompetent this whole mess was. 
And we started wondering, what if it had been a hurricane, which is so typical down here, would they not have been able to provide us with any assistance? Would they not have been able to support these families, the people impacted? So the city was woefully, woefully unprepared for dealing with another culture. And what's more, the intersection of LGBTQ and Latino. Ricardo Negron. Attack on the LGBTQ community, attack on the Latinx community, uh, attack on the immigrant community, attack on the undocumented community. So it was a multi-layer attack, yeah. but definitely greatly impacted the, Latin, the Latinx LGBTQ community. The needs that are co gonna come from this happening to a mostly Latinx crowd are not gonna be the same needs. We're still three years after and we're still fighting for something that should have been common sense before. Chacha Davis describes how, even though 10 African-Americans lost their lives that night at Pulse, the community was also very badly mistreated. Definitely see a pattern of uh, racism when you, when you see victims being highlighted, not based on their life's accomplishments, but all, all the wrong that they've done. Um, a lot of times when African-Americans are killed, um, the first picture that you see of them from media is a mugshot. Um, one of the posts, Bianca Drayton, um, was one of the pictures that they used was her mugshot picture until someone brought it to their attention. And of course, that picture was quickly um, replaced. But that's kind of the emphasis that goes on a black person losing their lives. It's like you find all the negative, you know, on the media. Before you hear that they were a great father, you hear that they had uh, felony charges 20 years ago, or just always something negative attached to. Um, you know, the losing of a black life. I just feel like it was another thing to take advantage of. I think that the energy that's put into making Orlando look united and making us look one all unified, it's just, it's, it's imaginary. It's, it's not real. It is, you know, it's a caption that happens once a year when everybody gathers for the Pulse Memorial. And I think that I, I applaud, um, our allies that do step in um, when we need those voices to step in for us and to stand behind us when we go um, certain places. But we need so many more. We need so many more. And I think that the, the pulse situation itself made people afraid um, to point out the obvious. And it was obvious. You can, again, you can go to any page that has any association or affiliation with Pulse, the LGBTQ community here in Orlando, and you can flip through every photo, you can flip through every video, screenshot, and there is a absence of the African American community. And that is absurd to me when I can have an event and 300 people show up. Well, you can't help but think that that all feeds into the spot we're in right now and the protesting currently going on. and. Um, the continued racism and uh, disrespect for other communities that goes on right now. Yeah, absolutely. Of course it does. It's all fully connected. You know, the people who don't care about, you know, young queer kids of color dancing to salsa music and getting shot have no understanding whatsoever of what it is like to be in that position. And no understanding either for other people. Uh, no, at least give recognition to the fact that you don't understand and learn and take people's lead on things. But folks don't do that. Sammy Marrero. I, I almost feel like it's a line on the sand. 
You know, this happened and it's like, that's it. You know, this defines who you are. This is, you know, this really helped me, for example, personally understand who am I aligned with? What are my core values? You know, and and just be comfortable with saying, no, it's not okay. Whatever it is, whether it's, you know, police brutality, whether it's women's rights, whether it's LGBTQ, you know, rights and advocacy, whether it's, um, um, equal pay with it, with with it, with, whether it's the child, children on the border, and immigrant families. I mean, you just you name it. There are just so many things going on, and they all have a, a common denominator, and it's oppression. It's systematic oppression, you know, and that's the root of, of it all. And and we just need to come together, you know, when we when we realize that we have more things that we in common then we have differences you know it's 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 slowly but surely we're we're weaving that safety net you know where we can just be ourselves new zealand was an example it was it, it was amazing how the leader you know the leader spoke up quickly embraced quickly adapted you know to mourning like the very population and community that was directly affected by this and the people willingly gave their weapons in, you know? They're like, you know what, we don't want this, you know, that this is not us, this doesn't define us, you know? And so, you know, I feel like the U.S. has a lot to learn from other countries, you know? Um, and really um, think, like take a moment to really think about who we wanna be. It's also why it's really important to remember uh, past events such as Pulse and Mark, Mark the Time past. Absolutely, yeah. Sandy Hook, Pulse, Columbine, so many, uh, so many people killed at the end of a gun um, for so many reasons. Yeah, absolutely. And the clear connection between police brutality and the militarization of the police and the use of fear by the NRA and the gun lobby to promote gun sales. Absolutely. It gets me back to what many of our, what many of us, you and I, and many of our uh, gays against guns comrades get back to. We need full equality. We need full equality for all. And we need a stop to racism, homophobia, uh, things that pit people against one another. We all need, we all, all of us need to find our humanity. Yeah, and it's a process, you know, much like grief is a process, you know, it, it's grief being a process that you have to be self-aware in and it's something that you go through and everybody goes through it in their own way. You know, I think it feeds back into the same thing that LGBTQI people have been struggling with for a long time. We need our straight allies in that way. We need people to band together and help a minority community to achieve equality. And I think that racism is along the same lines. It's time for white people to stop taking it Stop letting the uncle tell that racist joke at your holiday gathering. Stand up and stop them and say, I'm not going to sit here and listen to that. When we're outside and we hear someone making a derogatory comment to a person of color, I think it's as allies, we need to stand up and say, you know, I'm not going to let you say that, do that, push that person. You know, if you see a police officer doing something like what happened to Mr. Floyd, it's, it's our duty to stop that. Time to be silent is over now. We have to, we have to push the next envelope. 
the time to be silent was over a long time ago. A oh, yes. long time well, ago. Well, yes, honey, that's the truth, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I always find it hard to be silent, so I guess I couldn't really relate to that point. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things about you, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show on listener-sponsored WBAI. To find out more about working with Gays Against Guns, you can find us on social media or on our website, gaysagainstguns.net. And another way to get involved with supporting our work in the fight to end gun violence is by becoming a WBAI buddy in the name of Radio Gag. Right now, I think more than ever, we're really starting to understand the importance of radio, the importance of communicating, the importance of being able to get access to information. So if you have a couple of spare bucks every month to spare, go to WBAI.org and become a BAA buddy in the name of Radio Gag. Thank you. Also this Friday at 6.30pm, please join us live on Facebook and Instagram. That's at Gaze Against Guns NY, where we will be having a special vigil and memorial service for the 49 lives lost at Pulse. That's on Facebook and Instagram, 6.30pm this Friday. You know, Paul, it's been four years since Pulse and so many more shootings have happened since that day. I just, it disheartens me in some ways and it pushes me to continue to do this work and others. Um, You know, the lesson wasn't learned when a schoolroom full of children was shot up. The lesson wasn't learned when a club full of people was shot up. Numerous schools, numerous domestic violence occurrences. I mean, what what is it going to take? What is it going to take for our government to step up and give us safer gun laws? It is, yeah, it's certainly disheartening to see how little has changed in so many ways. And we still have 40,000 gun deaths in this country every year. But, you know, I know I and I know you and all of us at Gays Against Guns and so many of the other wonderful organizations across the country are fully committed to ending this epidemic. We are, but, you know, I don't want to leave our listeners on a negative note. I want to remind them that places like Virginia have taken a stand against gun violence. New York, New Jersey, much of the East Coast, much of the West Coast, many of our northern states have stronger gun laws and uh, are working towards even stronger protections. And once we get Mitch McConnell and Bunker Boy out of government, then HR8, which is the background checks bill that was passed over a year ago, will finally make its way to the Senate floor. Oh, Paul, is that your uh, is that your reminder to our listeners to vote, vote, vote? <laughs> better go bloody vote. <laughs> so thanks so much, everybody, for listening, as always. And, and that's our favorite part. Hell yes. So who do we want to hell yeah this week? I think, first of all, every single person has taken up the time to take it to the streets. Hell Hell yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Hell yeah to you, Paul, for putting together a great show this week. (laughs) Hell Hell yeah. yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah to all our Gays Against Guns uh, uh, comrades who've been joining our meetings via Zoom. Hell Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah to all the incredible leaders in our communities of color who are standing up and showing us the way forward. Hell Hell yeah. yeah. And hell yeah to all those police officers who have taken a knee with the protesters. Hell Hell yeah. yeah.
and hell yeah to refunding our money from the cops <laughs> and putting it <laughs> to better society. use. Hell <laughs> yeah. Society. Hell yeah. Thanks for listening, folks. And we'll be back next week, 6.30 every Tuesday. Thank you. I am Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams, and one of the organizations I have such a great deal of respect for is the group Gays Against Guns. Your advocacy always on point. It doesn't matter if we're rallying together in Times Square or if we're on the corner of Utica Avenue standing up against gun violence. You continue to show that when a bullet leaves the barrel of the gun, it does not discriminate on who is going to hit. It takes the life of a gay person, a straight person, a black person, a white person, and you continue to be the voice of why we must protect all human beings. And I, I am proud to call you an ally and a friend. Thank you, Gays Against Guns. Radio Gag, every Tuesday at 6.30pm on WBAI. Be our buddy.